When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Two Slips in the Gully. I'm joined by Craig tonight. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, Aaron. How are you? Oh, I'm not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, I've I've recovered a bit from the the turmoil that was the fifth test. It was it was it was hard to watch. I did a bit of moping around at work the next couple of days, but uh, I've put my big boy pants on and I'm I'm ready to talk about it now. No, very good. Yeah, look. Um we retained it, uh, and and I guess that's uh, that's a good thing. Um, the, but uh, the Simpsons meme default 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 <laughs> keeps coming to mind. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, look, interesting, and I suppose we'll talk more about it um, later on. Um, where we go to from here? Yeah, that's it. So that's what there's going to be. There's going to be. I know I promised an Irish one day international side, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Ashes, get it all done and dusted, and move on from there. So then we'll get back into the swing of our one day international world tour. Uh, so yes, we're going to talk about what happened in the fifth test, the Ashes overall, where to here from Australia. First and foremost, one of the things we're going to be talking about as well will be the upcoming. Uh, T20 tour to South Africa. So we'll be talking about that as well, where we'd like to see the team go for that because it's the uh, the first time since the the World Cup and Aaron Finch's subsequent retirement. So an opportunity, we think, to hit the reset button. We've this The same Australian team's had a, a couple of cracks at, you know, international success in that T20 side. That's It's been together for a while. And uh, with the exception of the, the UAE World Cup, we've consistently... Fallen short of where we we should we expect to be as a nation. So it's more looking like that that World Cup win was an aberration rather than you know a progression because we we then fell right back down to you know missing the semis for for the World Cup at home. So is it time? Is it need tweaking? Do we need to pull it down and start again? I'm sort of in that position. We've got you know we'll have a brand new captain. 
uh, moving forward. So is it maybe time to just inject a bit of youth and and, and change the way we do things a bit? But uh, we'll talk all about that later on. Uh, right after this, though, we'll be talking all things Ashes. For the second time in four years, we have fallen short at the final hurdle in oddly, eerily similar scenes. We finally win a toss and we elect a bowl first at the Oval, a la Tim Payne in 2019. And unfortunately, we were pipped at the post. We uh, couldn't get it done in the fourth innings. We fell short by 49 runs. We lost the game and therefore levelled the Ashes at 2-2 with a draw. So we obviously uh, get to retain the Ashes. Um, uh, England will then obviously now be sitting on their high horses for the next... Well, they're English fans, so the next forever about how they would have won the Ashes if it didn't rain in Manchester. So we've got to deal with that that nonsense for a while. Uh, But yeah, at the end of the day, we did our job last Ashes series at home, winning it comprehensively. Winning the first two games, uh, which then gave us that margin for error that w- ended up being the, the crucial thing for us to retain it. Um, I'm sure the Aussies, on the one hand, will be you know quite happy that they've come out of this tour with a World Test Championship trophy and they retain the Ashes. But again, it's you know so close, but so far, and the drought continues. We'll now have to go on until was that 2027 that to try yeah. and. and Knock the English over, so you know, so close but so far. Yeah, look, you're right. From an outsider looking in, you're probably going, okay, sign up the World Test Championship, retain the Ashes, earring sweet. You know, you know, pretty good results. Um, but I think as we have um, over the last what uh, month and a half, dissected it a fair bit more than just looking at the overall result yeah. and. There are some worries. There, there truly are some worries within our side. Um, there's some worries in in our tactical uh, performance over the whole Ashes series, um, and we'll probably talk and delve a bit, a little bit more into that. Um, but I think we've got personnel issues as well um, coming up. Um, you know, where we have certain players in our team say before a series that they want to retire in a certain game and almost look like it. they've guaranteed their spot until then, yeah. no matter what they do. That's, we've, um, we've said it the whole way through. The selectors have... He's played chicken. I don't know if it's intentional or not. I, would, I wouldn't surprise me if it was a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Um, but he's played chicken with the selectors, and the selectors are the ones that have, have dove out of the way. You know, Warner... Sorry, Warner... Um, well, obviously, we're talking about David Warner, but Warner McGrath did this ahead of the 2006-07 Ashes. They announced that Sydney would be their final game. Which is fine because Warner, Warner and McGrath got into the team on merit. Well, one in one hundred year cricketers, like, you know, you know, both of them, and we're and we're still like let's not pretty like Warner is an incredible player. He has been an incredible player. He's he will go down as one of our best openers of all time. When you consider how he plays at Tests, one day as NT twenties, his general general purpose opener, he'd be right at the top of the tree of it, like an all format. Australian 11 that you're going to pick. He probably, <laughs> he ugly walks into an all-format Australian 11. But Warner, Warren and McGrath, at the time of them announcing their retirement ahead of the 2006-07 Ashes, were still playing excellent cricket. Yep. Warner hasn't been playing even decent cricket for a number of years now. And I think, again, I wouldn't be surprised if this was this 
I want to retire in Sydney. The only way I'm probably going to get away with that is if I need to make an announcement and put the ball in their court. Because if he's going to re- if he's announcing he's going to retire, and you drop him, there's no bringing him back at no. 37 for no. a couple of games. You're bringing the next the next guy that comes. So you drop the you drop him for this guy. This guy doesn't pan out. You don't go back to Warner. You go to the next guy in line. You don't go back to the guy that's going to retire in three or four games. So yeah. um, he's he said this is my plan. Balls in your court, and it looks like for for all intents and purposes, we've gone. All right, we're not prepared to end your career. Yeah, and and that's um, look from Warner's point of view, he he's probably ecstatic with that result. He's probably got exactly what he wanted. Um, geez, I tend to think that we've probably missed an opportunity um, to to maybe blood someone um, and the over, thing is, over in English conditions. We're probably going to play him for the next for this summer so he can retire in Sydney, which is a perfect opportunity. I mean, no disrespect to Pakistan and the West Indies, but they're not expected to do very well over in, in our conditions. The, Pakistan's a bit more put together than the West Indies. We're expecting the West Indies to basically be what they were Probably worse. Probably worse than their last tour. So, um, yeah, and they were great. Pakistan are a lot more seasoned than what they were the last time out. They could um, pose a bit more of a threat. But if we're being really honest, we're not sitting there going, oh, God, Pakistan are coming out. I hope we got what it takes. We're expecting to win that. Comfortably. Comfortably. Yeah, that's right. This would be an opportunity to blood a a Bancroft or give Renshaw a run because he's had a go before, it's been ins and outs, or if there's another guy putting his hand up in the early early weeks of of Shield cricket, but we're going to waste five tests to give him a a John Farnham farewell tour. Well, I think we'll only waste three um, because it is an unusual summer, this one. We've got the first three tests, which which ends that series, I think, against Pakistan in Sydney on the, the New Year's test. But then, unusually, we've got two tests after that, oh, okay. um, right. which is really weird. Like normally, we have that five, that fifth test. No matter who we play, like we play two teams, but we have that fifth test and that last test on New Year's uh, on New Year's Day or New Year's week, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but it's really unusual where we've got two tests against West Indies in January and leading into February, which is really. It's, yeah, it is strange because we is disjointed to what we're previously used to. So. We made the whole big thing about leaving January open so our test players could go back and play the Big Bash. Like the yeah. Cricket Australia and Big Bash make, made a big deal about that last year going, this is the plan moving forward. We're going to be freeing up um, January and oh well. So that's, yeah, it's still, it's it's three tests that we don't need to spend on. And look, look let's face it. Everyone, not just Australian media, English media, the international media, were crucifying England for their just doggedness about retaining Zach Crawley. Yep. They were like, this is beyond a joke. The guy clearly isn't up to test standard. You're, you're setting him up to fail. At some point, he's got to be accountable for the fact that he's not very good. Yada, yada, all coming out. Crawley's record in the last 20 tests is significantly more impressive than David Warner's. Yes. And... And the media weren't wrong. Crawley no. didn't play well enough to be retained in that test side. He, like, it's one of the big, the big failings of Basball is how do you get into this side if you've got a guy that was performing as badly as Crawley was? Like, if, yes. if you're a young English opener just churning out runs in county cricket, what more? How do I get into this side? I'm scoring runs, he's not, and you're just backing him. So and that and so they, they weren't wrong. Crawley was not playing to a test end. He had a phenomenal Ashes series. But up until that point, he wasn't playing well. 
And Warner was playing worse. Yeah, that's right. And, and yet, you know, and it, it's just a worrying precedent to set where players who, I guess, they believe firmly that they should be given, you know, their, their right to go out on their own terms when really form didn't justify that. How do you, how do you think Ian Healy feels about, privately feels about the whole thing? If you went, if you went and got oh. a couple of beers in the heels and then sat down with him and asked, "What do you think about this whole thing, Healy?" Well, he he'd be gutted, and and but even you look at Steve Wall, and Steve Wall saved his Test career with with an inning, with an unbelievable innings, and we, we all know and remember it. Uh, scoring the, that SCG had SCG. a capacity of about a hundred thousand that day. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> when you yeah. ask everyone who was there, what well. It? I unfortunately was there the next day, and he got out second ball, so that you know ruined my sort of. And uh, but I'll I'll tell everyone that I was there the day before to see him get his hundred. Um, I, I see even the Australian captain back then, and and this is where I worry about us. Oh, and let's look. Steve War was infinitely more beloved than David Warner, a hundred percent. But he was his test career was on the line, and he knew that. Because his form didn't warrant through that series. Didn't they have a... They had a thing, I remember seeing at the Daily Telegraph, it was a front page or back page article about how many days it had been since Steve Waugh had averaged 50, and yes. it was some god-awful number. Okay, it was, yeah. and uh, But he... It wasn't that he was... He was nowhere near as bad as what Warner was. No. Admittedly, Warner was... Warner bats at the top order, right? I get that theory where, you know, he's dealing with a whole lot newer ball than Steve Waugh would have ever dealt with. But it's part of the gig, though. The guy was the Australian captain, and yet everyone was saying that he's he's not good enough and he needs to go. Um, I I would think that there was there would have been something in Steve's mind where he was going, I may not go out on my own terms here. You know, th- this could be it. Um, and as you say, Steve Ward. Far more, and, and Ian Healy to some respects too. Oh, Ian Healy, hundred percent, is more what, beloved. Than way David more Warner. beloved than David Warner. But yeah, even before Sandpaper Gate, these two players were more popular Absolutely. than David Warner. Absolutely, Sandpaper Gate has just complete, like completely eroded any sort of like. If you go and look around, there's not that many people. You look at the percentage of people commenting online about this. There's not many going. Oh man, he deserves no. to go. Like I. I really want to see David Warner go off. Like everyone's like, get rid of him. Like yeah. it's, there's no one calling for just give him a couple more. Let him retire in front of his fa- friends and family in Sydney. Like the the if, if I said to you, mate, David Warner's last test. Come on, we got it. We got you know, you're not going to get amped up to go and watch if it was Warns, McGraths, Pontings. Steve Wars, like the hankies were out. Like you went to get a hanky. Like I have, I've still got five of them at home. Like. You, you go to yeah. watch those guys the pub- because they are beloved. They are, you know, what we cherished in that era. You know, that they were the you know, the epitome of um, how we play the game. And, and we'll we'll get yeah. to that later. And I don't want this to be a bagging David Warner session, but we've got Pakistan in Perth for the first test, 14th to the 18th of December. What happens if he doesn't score runs there? We've then got the Boxing Day test in Melbourne. What happens if he doesn't score runs there? Then we've got the New Year's test. So that he will have three tests. I think that that's where we're at now. 
Like you can't you can't drop him now because you've let him go all Ashes series, basically not scoring a run, and then he gets some in the last innings. He's going to play the next three tests, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, is. but what we failed to do here is go, look, sorry, Davey, I think your time's up. Let's blood someone. Let him go through half an Ashes series or four tests of an Ashes series. Blood them. Say, this is what we're giving you, this Ashes series, and we're giving you the five tests at home. Because this could be... To prove like- yourself. Because that person would have been Marcus Harris. He's gotten the Cricket Australia contract ahead of um, Matt Renshaw, Renshaw, ahead of yeah. Bancroft and guys like that. And that could have that could make him like that'd make him break his. It'd be it'd be clear as day at that point. You get five Ashes tests. You've got three against Pakistan. You are playing the next eight games. Eight, eight doesn't games. doesn't matter what happens. You go out and kick your stumps over for the first three tests. You'll play. You're going to play until Sydney. But. But he knows he's got... But you know you've only got those. So you so you need to score runs in that time frame, or otherwise that's it. And at some point, oh, that's too, and, they're international cricketers. That's the gig. You've got to go right. and score and, runs. And we've spoken about, like, Harris has had enough. Like, he's had enough but chances, you can, you can put especially a, at home. You could put a pin in it after. If you said to Harris, right, yeah, you, know, you gave Warner the World Test Championship and said, cool, you can retire winning a World Test Championship. Yep. You're not playing the Ashes. You give it to Harris and go, yep. right, this is the gig. But you're 31... You, you play county cricket, you talk all the time about how good you are at county, yeah. you're going to play this series and the series against Pakistan, and if you haven't said to us comprehensively, I'm a test opener, yeah. that's it. You're a Victorian cricketer for the rest of your career. We're Correct. going to move on. And yeah. you can just put a pin in it. But now, right. we're, now we're still no close now, to figuring out who's going to be. That's right. So now he, you know, if Harris does get the gig, you know, but he he's, he's, gonna, he's going to be a test-by-test, you know, yeah. situation with him now because... And you'll be 32, so you're looking at maybe That's right. two or three years so and then we're going to do the whole so thing again. wasted 12 months. Yeah. I, I, worry, I worry about where our cricket intelligence is at as a, as a group at the moment, um, and, and that's just one aspect of it. It's, that, just, I, I it's think the we, same adage that's harder to get out of the Australian cricket team than into it. Yeah, but... That we had, but, and it's just, it's just it's gone to another level. But... But we had guys who legitimately should be there and, and, and performed not test after test, but nearly. Yeah. Right? Our whole lineup. Now we don't. And the performances are starting. And, and even even Smudge and yeah. even Marnus and those guys that had, you know, they, they carried were me- us through this last two years. They were mere mortals in this series. You know, that, you know that we're starting to see some cracks. Um, you know, just it, it worries me that our our cricketing now is not what it used to be. Um, we we haven't looked at this far enough ahead. Um, we haven't taken this opportunity to blood someone over there, um, especially in our top three. And I think that's a big mistake. I really do. Yeah. Well, let's go and have. We'll talk about the test before we keep going with the, down the in the future road. So uh, obviously, this, we've won the toss. We bowled first, um, and well, we did it to ourselves. Really, this is the test that we let slip. Five catches, one of them being uh, Harry Brook, who went on to score. Uh, was it seventy five? Yeah, and 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 Carey too. You know, and it, we've we we wax lyrical about how well he's kept this series. Um, 
yeah, that's that's not one of his finest moments. No, it was a, um, it was a bad miss. Didn't didn't move his feet. Um, he he looked tired. Uh, I have to sort of admit that that just just watching him, he looked tired. Um, his batting showed it as well. Uh, I, I think um, Carey had had enough by the by the last series coming and and you know missing that. Is there pressure on Kerry? I mean, he did just recently score 100 over in Australia, but he got no runs of any any note in India. He's gotten, you know, with a couple, he had a decent knock in the World Test Championship final, but nothing really of note in the Ashes. Are we starting to maybe think, we've got a couple of really good young keepers, Philippi, um, uh, Inglis, you know, Jimmy Pearson. Is there is there a pressure on Carey? You think that he needs to maybe start being a little bit more consistent batting? Well, yeah. his keeping has been fine. If, if there is, there shouldn't be. Um, I think you, you look apart from one guy, maybe two guys um, that have been subsequent to Healy. Um, we've always tried to pick the best clubman, and I think that's the way to go. I think you need that. Yeah. Uh, I think. If if you want a greater example of that, you've only got to look at England. They don't pick their best clubman. Oh, um, they they have won. They have won the Ashes. It's cost them the Ashes. Um, so I will be fair oh, to Bears, though. His keeping in the last two games was excellent. It, it, <laughs> well, except yeah, for that run out where except he, for the run out. But look, it was it was okay. He he technically is not a great keeper, and, and if you watch him um, from a technical aspect, he's not. He's he's an awful keeper, to be honest. He doesn't move his feet. He doesn't stay low enough for long enough. Um, he, he just he lacks real technical nous on a keeping side. Um, you know, the fact that he's got gloves on is is probably the only reason why he takes catches, to be fair. So, look, I don't think there's any pressure on Carey. I think, um, I think it's just about um, time for him. Um, and, again... Being responsible when the top order don't necessarily get runs, I think th- this is where they need to evolve. Guys like him, guys like Green, guys like you know, Travis Head's been pretty good at it. I think he's probably been the only one in that middle order to stand up when the top has not. So those guys, and then you've got Mitch Mars sort of in in the in the frame now as well. It's about learning that. It's about okay, well. The top order haven't done their job today. It's now my it's now my job to do my job and and, and really be there to get a seventy, get an eighty, get a get a big hundred. You know we're used to our keepers getting big hundreds. Um, yeah, that, damn that, it, Gilly, you yeah, ruined it, it for it, everyone. But he had <laughs> again this one in a hundred year cricketer has completely ruined cricket for a, for a wicket keeper because now you you have to bat, you have to bat, and you have to average forty. As a keeper, that that that's the standard that he set. So I wouldn't be. I I think we've got plenty of other worries before Kerry. I think yeah. Kerry's a set set and forget. Um, but yes, need, he needs to take that next step now. He's been around the group long enough. He needs to be able to go. This is my moment. I'm going to take my moment, and I'm going to get big runs here to what? help. My he team. might need to go back to Pakistan and have a dip in that pool again. Yeah. <laughs> He probably does. He needs to be baptised. Apparently, it wears off the magic of that pool. It's <laughs> yeah. not. Uh, it's not a permanent thing. Oh, okay, yeah. Get baptised again. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was. It was a. It was a game where the Aussies really. I suppose, in a sense, w- with this one, there was we were comprehensively outplayed at Old Trafford. 
In this game, if you want to find a silver lining anywhere in this game, is that we had our destiny in our own hands and we dropped it. We weren't really... England ended up capitalising, but we weren't outplayed by England in the sense that we were they were clearly the better team. If we did our jobs, we would have won that game. Yep. Part of that being every six out of seven of our top seven bats got a start and none of them got a score, no. which what turned what should have been a significant first innings lead into just, tw- just 12. 12. 12 runs. And that's because Murphy... Mind you, how good is Murphy looking? Love like, the Murph. Like a prime yeah, love, Michael Hussey. I love the Murph. I like, do you see those do you see those little whip shots off his hip? Like, oh, they were just ridiculous. I saw him hit. It was a broad, must have been broad. I don't think it was wood, but broad. for just. It was just like watching Ponting in a mirror. Just a perfect swivel oh, pull just, shot. And I'm like, Todd Murphy. Oh, and just... Why is he not opening the batting? <laughs> well, they, they were saying that in under-19s... He batted three. That's the Josh Hazelwood yeah. thing comes out. Oh, Josh like, Hazelwood batted three for his club. Unbelievable. Like, you know, so he can obviously hold a stick, which yeah. is good. Um, like, but late, to, to late be, on day fair, five, we, we, you know, for him to be scoring runs to get us a 12 run lead. Yeah, we not, not, we not good enough. Not with everyone. Not, not I think, enough. was it Travis Head was the only one in that in our top six that didn't get a start? Yeah. Um, well, Mar- you could argue Marnus didn't get a start, but I would argue he faced eighty balls, so that's uh, that's a start. If he only scored nine, <laughs> you faced eighty balls, so you should have done better. They all got in, and they all got out, and we should have we should have been looking at a hundred run lead easy, yeah. and we just we hit the brakes that that first hour of day two, whenever it was, and we just never get, gained the momentum back again. I'll bring up something that Mark Taylor pointed out. During that first innings, and it was while uh, Kawaja and, and, and Marnus were batting, um, we we seem to have okay. Well, we acknowledge that England's playing baseball; they're going five runs and over. So what we're going to do is we're going to go two runs and over because we completely disagree with the way that they play cricket. Yeah, they're just going just playing the opposite out of we, spite. We have never scored two runs and over for how many years? I, our failure to put the bad ball away during that first innings and even the second innings was disastrously bad. Um, we we went into this complete and utter shell of we're just gonna we're just gonna bat time here. Doesn't matter how many runs we score. Well, I'm sorry, it does because what then effect, what then in effect. You let the bowlers get on top, which then allowed only a 12-run lead, which then allowed England to go out with their tails up and go absolutely... Yeah, scored 400. You know, ridicu- ridiculous for that for that for um, for their second innings and got a massive lead against us. Oh, we've always played positive cricket. Always. Well, that was the thing. That's what Michael Vaughan, that was his template for 2005. He yeah. goes, look, look at the Australians. On average, they'll score 120 runs. You get them back for a day for their averages, and you look at England back for a day for their averages, and they're 120 runs in front, front. just just on an average day. Yep. That's not counting you know, Ponting going off and scoring a brilliant 100. Just average. Average day, they're already 121 runs in front. And so then he... That was his thing. We need to go out and we need to play positive. And he went and picked guys like Flintoff and Collingwood 
and a young Ian Bell, who were guys that could move the game along. Yep. Um, and then you had so, you know, Peterson, obviously, yeah. you know, coming in doing Peterson things. So. And so that was that was the plan. He wanted to have more positive cricket being played. Like that's the thing. Australia's used to playing positive cricket. We just called it cricket. We didn't give it a nickname. That no, was just how we played. Just how we played. And now it just seems that we've got this thing. It's like, well, the the way forward is to do this, and we're like, screw that. The way we'll just do it. The opposite, and I'll beat you. I want to ask you something, and it, this is sort of where I'm sort of thinking that this mindset comes from. We in 2005, oh, sorry, the 2007, um, when, when they when we came back and absolutely thrashed them five nil. We we play, but even through that era, we played positive cricket. And the reason was is because we knew we were the best team. We knew we knew we were the best team. We've just won the ICC Test Championship, right? We should know that we are the best Test cricketing nation. Why didn't we play like we were the best yep. Test playing nation? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's one of the things that concerns me because we were, everyone's jumping on Pat Cummins. And the way that Pat Cummins has led, and let's not beat around the bush, Cummins was poor as yep. a captain. Yep. Um, the, the, it's not average. He was poor. He was poor as a captain. But this isn't just a isolated Cummins issue. We've, we made fun of Cummins a year ago for basically standing there while Steve Smith did everything. So we know that this is an Andrew McDonald, Pat Cummins, Steve Smith group effort. So it's not just as simple as saying Cummins stuffed up. This is, this is the plan. We have walked into the ashes for this year. And these are the plans, and we haven't deviated from them. And what's concerning to me is an Australian cricket team has walked in. They've been told ahead of time, we're going to go after you. We're going to hit everything that we can get our hands on for four. Uh, you pitch it up. We're smacking it through the coverage. You pitch it short. We're hooking and pulling. We're coming after you. You watch out, you Australian bastards. You watch out. Yeah, that's right. And we've gone, oh, they're coming after us. It's not very nice. Why would they come after yeah, what, us? Why? What, and, what have we done wrong? And then so they go and stick fielders out from the very beginning of the game. That that de- I've said it on myriad of podcasts. That deep point is the greatest travesty in that first session you could, that I've ever seen in Test cricket. I have never oh, ever I, seen a commentator go. It's a really good move having a deep <laughs> point out there. Every commentator ever, it's like the annoying buzz where they've got a deep point and I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. And I'm like, if you hate it, how is it just such a dumb thing? Ponting. <laughs> I'd, he wanted to run down that, run down those stairs, grab the bloke who's, who was at deep point, and physically move him back to point. He would have act his baggy oh, green on and just run the show. Hundred percent. Like I, I don't get this mindset. I, 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 and we've had it all series, not just this last test, but we've had it all series. We have the test championship. We are proven to be the best test playing nation in the world. Yet we went out and played like we were second best. Yeah, we went and played wait and see cricket. Wait and see. Oh, well, you know, if they miss time it, they might get out and we might have someone in the right place to catch the ball. No plan. Crawley could not hit the ball outside of stump. Yet we bowled at him and it shifted a deep square and we had fine leg for him to just... Flick it off his hips. What was frustrating and Ponting and Mark Taylor were just pulling their hair out is that we got the plans to the openers wrong. Crawley, you needed to bowl back of a length, fifth stump line, and hide the ball. That's right. And we bowled 
Fallen straight, and he let him get on the front foot and drive. Duckett, we needed to be bowling. Duckett can't drive a ball. Fallen he... straight and getting him to nick one off to the slips, and we're giving him length balls that he was riding to, to the non-existent point and getting off strike. And it's like, you need to flip these plans. Duckett misses one letter in the alphabet, and that's V, because <laughs> he can't play in it. Yeah. Like, how did we not get that? Bowl it full and straight at him. You'll either bowl him, you'll nick him off, or have him LBW. You're bringing all three dismissals in play. Yet we bowled short wide, outside off stump, was short wide and at him, and he just... And then when just, we should have been back of a length, wide of off to Crawley, because he's trying to hit everything on the top of the drive, we were bowling full and straight. Full and straight. And he was just... He was just do the reverse! <laughs> but, but to counter that, we then move the field. Yep. No, no, no. Let's not let's not change our bowling. Let's not change our bowling tactic because, God forbid, that a bowler would be wrong. Yeah. My other problem with a bowler we, being captain we, is that how many times have you heard as a player at our level? So yep. we're not good. We're not good. Yeah. We're just we we play <laughs> we're local we're battlers. We, yeah. we, we play local cricket in a country town. How many times has the captain told you I'm not moving the field for shit bowling every week? Don't bolt if you don't want to hit there. Don't bolt there. Don't bolt there. And I'm not setting fields for your shit. Why? Why does the same logic not apply to the best bowlers in the uh, world? Look, and I know we might be very simply looking at this, but it you know, simple cricket will still win your games. And I, I just I think we went away from knowing that we were the best team. We went away from always doing what we always did was playing into it, and we were intimidated. We we were intimidated by it. Absolutely, we weren't worried about Zach Crawley over in Australia at all. So (laughs) the guys had basically a terrible run with a couple of sprinklings of some quick five forties and you know a hundred here and there. But we've gone from a guy that Zach Crawley's coming out excellent to oh my god, Zach Crawley's coming out. Oh my god. Without, without, like it's not like he went on and scored six, seven, eight hundreds and, and averaged still, seventy in the and last. He still only months. averages thirty after that one hundred eighty that he got. Yeah. Like, I mean, this, I, this is a guy walking oh. into it with a first class and test average under thirty, and we're like, oh my god, put everyone out. It, it, the mind boggled the whole time that it that it happened, um, and again, I, I just go back to this mindset that we we have always played positive cricket. For, for 100 years, we, we've always done it. Um, why would we change something that has worked so successfully for us, but not just for us at a cricket level, but that's how us Aussies think. You know, we're, we're all about taking the game on and attacking it and, you know, you know, beating the game. You know, that, that's, that's, our, that's our mantra. That's, that's been our attitude in all sports. Yeah. Um, why have we now let another team dictate to us how we play? How we play? Yeah. Could you imagine the same thing? Steve War being told uh, when you come over, Steve, we're going to come after you. All our openers are going to come out. We're going to blast you through the covers. You pitch it up. You're going to bowl short. We're going to hook and pull. We're going to go try to go in six, seven, eight runs and over. We're just we're coming after you. He would have sat there, hand he would have teapotted, hands on hips, look left to Glenn McGrath, look right to. Uh, Shane Warne looked over his shoulder to Brett Lee waiting in the background and went, give it a red hot go. Fix this for me, boys. And um, and then you do that, 
Go at eight runs and over. Awesome. Can't wait to see it. And he would have just come out with the exact same plans and went, Glenn, clean these guys up. Uh, Binger, knock a few blokes around. And Shane, if there's anything left over for you, spin it around and knock some stumps over. I'm going to be uh, standing, yeah. at, standing in the slips or standing at gully and uh, we'll see what the carnage unfolds. Well, the greatest partnership I ever saw was VVS Lexman and Roald Dravid um, in that test series where we... We were so close to winning in India in, you know, almost, I don't know how long it was. 2001, yeah, I think, was it? Yeah, 2001 series. Um, it, it's probably the great, it's, it is the greatest partnership I've ever seen. Um, but we had so many, we were still trying to get those blokes out and they were both 200. Yeah. We were still, we still had in infield, in outfields. We were still trying to attack them. We were still going hill for leather to try and get them out, not waiting for them to get themselves yeah. out. And it, that's it's a, never been our way ever. It doesn't matter how good the partnership is. doesn't matter how good the batting is. It's never been our mindset ever. I really worry that this mindset will continue and we're going to allow minnows or, you know, you know, not, you know, sort of half-decent test nations that we should still dominate just come that little bit closer to us, and that worries me. Yeah, well, there's nothing more indicative of that mindset than how we bowled to Ben Stokes through this series. Yeah. Um, you know, we watched him steal the ashes off us in, in 2019. Not, not from the jaws of defeat, but halfway down the throat, he's pulled it out, stolen victory, and we've had four years of planning. Yep. Now, mind you, this is the same leadership group that have come out to the media and said that we've we've emerged from our cricket cocoons. We've evolved. We're now cricketing butterflies. And we're so amazing that we've surpassed <laughs> Justin Langer, who is one of the most successful cricketers in Australian cricket history. As obvious, he's got just absolute, like, a litany of coaching successes at the Scorchers, at WA, wherever he's gone, he's made improvements. But we have surpassed him. We've evolved to the point now that we are self-aware and self-sustaining. We can figure this all out. And their planning for stopping Ben Stokes from doing that again was stick nine blokes on the boundary. And not... Stat, not like stack the leg side and nope. bowl short. It was just you know, from deep third man all the <laughs> all way around, around, 360 degrees, have everyone out and wait till Ben Stokes stuffs up. Uh, that's not a plan. No. And How it's... in four years did you have a plan? That was the plan. I mean, that plan managed to get Ben Stokes to 155 and nearly win a game they had no business winning. And then at Headingley, he turned what should have been a 100-odd lead into only a lead of 20, and they won that game, which then gave England the sniff that they needed. And then Murphy gets him out, caught halfway from boundary to pitch. Yeah. With with just a, a beautiful piece of bowling that he miscues and then puts down Cummins' throat, who wasn't on the boundary. So we developed this plan for four tests to put him out on the boundary, where we got him out in that last in that last test was Stark bowled an unbelievable ball to get him to get him out and where we should have bowled the whole time. Yeah. And then we get him caught halfway to the boundary. Well, Not on the boundary. There were halfway. I think there were three separate incidents across the two innings, the Lord's innings and the Headingley innings that um that we had where he should have been caught, but Stark 
I think Stark was one, and it might have been Travis Head being another, perhaps, where they've run in from the boundary well, and they have it. Smith, Smith, or Smith, drop, well, Smith drops. Smith drops was straightforward. That was that yeah. that plan worked a treat. But they're these ones where they've come running in, they just haven't quite made the ground because the they're so far out. That's right. Whereas if you had an in outfield, like you wouldn't set nine blokes on the boundary of for course. a one day. No. I, oh, anyway, it, it's and that concerns me. That's the plan. This is what yep. the the all powerful, all wise. I'm too good for you now. Pat Cummins' leadership group have come up with when a guy's coming at you, everyone on the boundary. So before Sandpaper Gate, the Australian cricket team were on the nose with the Australian public um, because of the way that there was sort of this you know, arrogance. arrogance and mantra of, you know, I'm too good for anyone else. Um, that type of attitude, we then go away from that and get someone who grounded us as a test as a cricket playing nation in, in Langer. We get him in to make it um, more about play, what, what more about what playing for Australia means to someone. And we get that mantra back and then all of a sudden we start to get we start to get our mojo back and we start to win back the public and we start to, you know, you know, do all the right things and say all the right things and then Justin goes. And it's almost like let's go back to where we were. Cause we were we were happy there, we were getting our own way, we were, you know, um, basically doing what we wanted to do without any repercussions because there was no one hard enough to say, no, boys, that's not the way we do it. Yeah. Like, um, I, I think the test the test had a really great one and um, where Usman, he had a drill in place where it was, you're in the nets, but he wanted you to value your wicket. Don't, um, don't throw it away just because you're in the nets. So if you get out, you have to swap nets. Swap nets. Because batsmen yep. hate having, they want to just settle into a groove and do their thing. Yeah. And then Kawaja came out and complained, well, how am I supposed to concentrate if I'm worried about getting out? And they just, I'm sure it's edited together that it'll look a little worse, but they just cut to Langer, and Langer's sitting there going, man, I've never hit a kid before, but, like, this is a look on his face. Yeah. He's like, are you kidding me right now? How are you supposed to concentrate if you're worried about getting out? That's what you're supposed to be worried about. When you're playing, yeah. when you're playing a game. And that's the sort of... And I don't mean it's because I know I've, I've given Kawaja a bit of a serve over the time of the podcast. I'm not levelling this as him, but that's sort of indicative of the attitude. Cummins coming out going and saying that we don't need a hard taskmaster anymore. We we can, you know, we can do it collaboratively and yep. we're past this point. And it's like, well, are you though? I mean, in the last 18 months, you've lost the Border Gavaskar trophy at home a couple of times. Yep. You, you, know, you retain the Ashes. You flogged an England side that was, let's face it, they were beaten from the moment they named the squad. That team was never winning in Australia. No, that's right. Um, they they may have had a chance if they had, uh, you know, Archer and Stone and a few of those guys, but their batting yep. unit was just rubbish. They were never a chance. We get dominated in India, which, you know, can happen. Um, you know, we, you know, we probably set up there from, from the very start. But... I just, I just worry that we're back to Cape Town again. I really do, um, and we're back to where we were before that all went down. Um, it it snaps of arrogance that you know this is this is the way we play. There is, think, there has uh, never been a successful sporting empire that has been built 
in a kumbaya love for everyone environment. And I was just about to say that because you've mentioned this before where you've got the most successful teams over across all sports. And you can mention them. You know, you've got the Chicago Bulls. They had Phil Jackson. But they also had Michael Jordan, who expected... There was, who, who, there was who, no laziness. There was, there was no... There was no room. <laughs> he to, punched to, his teammates that, to get to the There was no wanted. room to bludge. Yeah. You know, I don't care if you're not as good as me. But your work you, is but out But if of you own. can't outwork me, then don't be here. Bill Belichick, you know, Patriots. Same thing. I, I am going to drill you guys into the ground because you need to understand what it takes to win a championship. They probably the most successful, you know. You think Wayne Bennett runs a tea party when he's coaching? You know, Jack Gibson historically in rugby league. And um, it's not about... Bob Simpson. Bob Simpson Bob had Simpson. people dobbing players in if they were getting in after midnight. 100%. So like, and, and if you dropped a catch, you'd have to catch another 20 before you could rotate out of a drill. That's that's how it was. Um, and, and that's how the best teams were built. I... I get that society's changed and I get that, you know, there's a lot more precious flowers out there now and we have to, you know, you know, be certain, certain, certain way, be sentimental to, you know, people's attitudes and all that sort of stuff. But um, I think you still are dealing with professional athletes that they need, they need a bit of a touch up every now and again. And look, to get the best out of them. It's, it's a hard, it's a hard gig. Let's face it, but they are incredibly well numerated. They're not worrying about hundred percent. They're not worried about the cost of living crisis. They're not worried about you know do they have enough money to make sure they can get their kids to you know to the school excursion. Like okay, yeah, it sucks. You travel around the world, but you're playing a game for lots of money. You're playing a game for more money than what regular people will see in their lifetime. Yep. Um, that's exactly so, right, mate. You know, and if you're worried because your coach is saying you're not good enough, work your ass off and get better. I mean, try work a real job. Like you can't go and work it at most jobs and just go. If you're not doing it right, they come in and go. Have you thought about doing it a little bit? No, they tell you to pull your finger out. Pull your finger. Yeah. Look, you know, performance reviews happen at all levels. You know, and look, you're probably the same as me. You know, when you've needed a touch up, you know, you got one. Yeah. You know, and. And you sort of go, oh, okay, fair play, you know. Yep, I, I probably was. Yeah, that, yeah. that half an hour really sucked, <laughs> but um, I better go and not I, be crap anymore. That's exactly right. So, you know, and we all have our days, but um, that that really worries me with this group. Yeah, is it, it, is, it's a, it looks like a fundamental shift in the mentality and approach of the way that we play, and it's, yeah. and it's so jarring because it's so not Australian. Yeah, it, it's, it's all, well... It gets bandied around a bit, but it's it's very un-Australian, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the, the way that we've let England dictate and, you know, we had plenty of notice. We knew it was coming. If we simply got outplayed, we got outplayed, but it was, yeah, it was the fact that we gave England the initiative. Yeah. We'll let you bat and you'll stuff up or and, and just sort of wait in the secret, like I said before. There was a lot of just letting England get themselves into trouble and... You know, they're at Lords and at uh, Edgebaston, we capitalised on that. But you know, there was. I think I said after Edgebaston, I don't mind the plan. It worked. We had guys out there. They where they were hitting fours ten months ago. They're only getting ones, and you could see that was playing on their minds. But surely you've got to come in all guns blazing for the first fifteen twenty runs. Crawley goes and blasts his way to twenty off 
15 balls, you go, all right, cool, we'll set yeah. everyone back. But the fact that we were starting there, and he was still blazing his way yeah. to, you know, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, if if Pakistan has a – look, the West Indies can't do it. You know, they just don't have the personnel. But if Pakistan have learned anything from watching this Ashes series, if I'm Barbara's arm, I'm coming out, and a month before the Test series, I'm going – we are going to attack these blokes. We we are going to get stuck into Australia on Australian conditions. Yeah, because I think most for mostly it was psychological warfare. Cummins, I'm sorry, Stokes and McCullum are out saying it, and we bought into it and shied away. Yeah, like yeah. You know, until further notice, if I was an opposition team, I'd be coming out saying the same thing. We watch these blokes go and get all around, the, hit all around the park in England. Yeah, that's the plan. We're going to they, come in and play positive. And they make put it. nine blokes on the boundary. It made no difference. We're going to attack. Yeah, if, if they're going to play and just really eat into their ego, if they're going to play timid cricket. We're going to come after them and just you know, at yeah. some point, big scary fast bowlers are going to have to put the like. I'm sick of people calling us out. Enough of this rubbish and. But, but that was the other thing that I noticed too, and this is where I've seen this incremental shift, even from the Ashes played at home, um, where we pretty much dominated, and, and as you say, England never had a chance. But not once did I see a fast bowler from our cartel run down the wicket and have a really stern look in their face or even say, you know, what are you, what are you doing, you know, yeah, you know, whatever the sledge yeah. may have been, there was none of that. There was zero. Pat Cummins in particular, he would beat the bat, he would whip around as quick as a flash and walk back to his mark. I have never seen that from an Australian group, ever. Like, could you imagine McGrath beating the back and then just whipping around and then just hightailing it back to his mark? Not a chance. No. He would be down there giving the other bloke a golf ball, you know, or at least a meaningful look going, just, you just have look, no chance. Or just a look as if you have no idea what you're doing when I've got the ball there. And just a look of like, I could get you I can get you out at any time. At any time. Just something that exudes a bit of confidence. Yeah, I don't, there was none of that though. I, like, I don't have any issues with the dialing back of the sledging because I, I feel like playing it, I feel a lot of times it's overdone, it's unnecessary, but I have no issues with a bit of swagger and a bit of confidence about the way you do exactly things. Exactly right. There's no need to be sitting there the whole time just personally attacking the batter, but, you know, when you beat him and you know you've beaten him, let him know. But Broad had it. Yeah. And yeah Broad had it. Wood had it. Like, Wood beat you outside the off stump. He was... He was giving you that look, and you, you know, and he's giving you that look. You know, you've got no idea when when blokes are ten k's quicker. You know that that was the look he gave, and rightfully so. Yeah, you've earned that look. You've earned that. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that they're so PR and media managed now that they're too afraid to go and and express themselves like that for fear of oh, the bad boys are strength. Just, Just go and do it. Like any anyone whose opinion's worth a damn. They don't listen to the writers. The writers are just saying something because they need to put rubbish out there for clicks. That's right. Read the comments. Read the comments. The comments from the public are saying, this is a non-story. What the hell are you talking about, you clown? Exactly right. And, and they just get caught up with because the, the, the 24-hour news cycle, they've just got to go and just turn anything into a story because they've got to have something cricket-related or coming out every hour on the hour, well, all day, wanted- every day. So they'll take little micro things. But if you actually went and the media guys go, all right, so you had Joe Bloggs from Fox Sports calling you a, you know, a bully because you were sitting there and you 
gave a bloke a send-off and what a douchebag you are. Here's what the comments are, and it's just, Cummins was justified. What are you talking about? It's soft, you know, agreeing with the fact that that's yeah. cricket, it's fine. And I think maybe you might see a bit of turning around. Um, moving off the Aussies for a little bit, I want to have a bit of a chat uh, about a perennial thorn in our side who's given the game away at the end of this uh, this series, um, Stuart Broad. Uh, I don't think I'd be outraged in saying that he's probably England's Best of all time, Ashes bowler. Specifically games between Australia and England. You've got the most wickets. Mm. He has been a guy. He's actually done had spells where he's done well over here, which has historically not been a happy hunting ground for modern England players. No. But, uh, yeah, 8 for 15. He always just seems to manage to find, especially in England, to find a gear to really, you know, hurt us. There's the whole thing that he didn't walk. Which then cost us that game, arguably. Like I think yeah. uh, he's had he's had quite a career. I mean, and we're all talking about the fact that James Anderson's up near two hundred odd Test matches. He's not that far behind at one hundred and sixty, taken yeah, it's right six hundred odd wickets. So he's been a he's been a good competitor for for a long while. And you know, he's one of those guys. I think that when we look back on his career as Australians, we might not like him, but we will respect him. Because yeah. he was it kind of in that Peterson mould. He was never afraid to go at us. Even when the conditions didn't... like didn't he came, suit. That's right. He came at us in Australia. It didn't yeah. always pan out because the Kookaburra just didn't offer the same thing that a Duke does. And the no. conditions never offer the same thing. But he was never one to go, well, there's no point in me bowling because, you know, it's a Kookaburra on day three at Perth. Like, he came in and he always gave it a red-hot go. Yeah. Look, especially against left-handers. He, he, he dominated against left-handers. Um, very, very good cricketer. Um, look, you're not going to like all of what he did, but I'll tell you what, I wouldn't mind a broad mentality in our cricket side at the moment. Absolutely you not. Know, just that dogged fight, you know. You know, you're not going to get the better of me. Um yeah, you can bowl bounces at me and, you know, I might not be able to hold the stick that well, but, geez, I'm going to give it a red-hot crack and I'm I'm going to I'm gonna try and hold one end up here for, for my mate who's going pretty well up the other end. You know, he... I, th- I think he's one of the guys that would certainly have a team-first mentality um, broad. Um, you know, yeah, he's done some shit things in his career and, and stuff that we haven't liked, but, you know, that... that that makes him all all the more appealing, I, I think, um, because he you know he genuinely took it to sides and he and he took it to the better sides, which you know you have to give him credit for. Yeah, you know? I think he ends his career as the only player in Test cricket history, and considering cricket's been around a quite a long time, to be the only player to have done something is a pretty fair feat. Only player to hit the last delivery faced in Test cricket for six, and to take a wicket with his last ball bowled in Test cricket. P- pretty. Pretty good way to finish. So uh, yeah, not a yeah. bad, not a bad. And yeah. obviously, I don't know about you. I've I think that this series, obviously, the results are not what I want as an Australian fan, but as a neutral, just a genuine cricket fan, the two thousand and twenty three Ashes series is probably the best Ashes series for a long, long time. I can't even definitely the best one I've seen. Well, since two thousand and five, um, I'm going to give it the the. The edge over 2005, because when you think about it, with the exception of the first two tests, well, the first test, we won quite comfortably. Yeah. The second test, toot and froed. But the last three were all, like, largely dominated by England. 
you, you know, Old Trafford was a draw that we were nowhere near no. coming back and winning. No. Um, we got beaten pretty soundly at, um, in, the, in the fourth test. And then the, the third, the fifth test was to and fro a bit until Peterson played us right out of the game and then it ended up being a draw as well. So you had 2-1 where one team largely dominated most fixtures, whereas this, both teams had opportunity, with the exception of Manchester, but then in the, for the four games that resulted, um, each team had multiple opportunities to assert dominance in the game. Yeah. So it to and yeah. fro um, plenty of storylines, you know, the, the, the Carey Bairstow incident, yeah. um, you know, yeah. Stokes, Stokes' stuff, um, um, you know, Broad retiring. Yeah. So there's, there's plenty of intrigue. There's plenty of storylines about yeah. it. There's plenty of performances. So, you know, um, you know, Mark Wood coming back from injury and doing what he did, uh, you know, Smith's 100, Marnus's 100, Man. Stokes' 100. Well, Uzi standing up Uzi too. standing like up. St- you know, th- Marsh is unbelievable. Marsh is 100. 100. Yeah. yeah, look, it was the the only thing that I would say is that um, England beat our best side in two thousand and five. Oh, no doubt. Um, and 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 it was a team that was like at the no peak one of it, ex- no peak one of expected powers. England to do anything. It was at the peak of its powers, and we played the way that we wanted to play, and we still got beat. Yeah. Um, we. I have to say that in this test series, we allowed England to do what they wanted to do. Yeah, and um, we still yeah, almost we, and we still almost pulled her off, which I I completely think is a miracle. Um, I, I don't doubt that England would probably the better side in the series if if I if I'm looking from a completely impartial view, I think England, I agree with that. England were the better team. Um, they should have won Edge Baston. Um, they they essentially choked in that first test. Um, Lords, we were the better team, um, but I think from that point on, it was it was England. Um, yeah, overall, you know, you'd give overall, it to England. Australia I, had points in various points. Yeah, in, absolutely. Headingly and, and the Oval, but yep. overall, England were yeah like with a lead of three eighty, you would have been surprised heading into the fourth innings of Australia got yes. it done. But that wasn't to say that England didn't give us our op- give us opportunities to really take the game away from them in, in test matches as well. Um, like, yeah, you know, point out the Marsh-Smith getting out to Mo and Ali within 10 minutes of each other. At Headingley, at yeah, Headingley. we win the game. Uh, we, win, we win the game if that doesn't happen. Um, we, we had chances to really, really um, bury, bury them. And we didn't take them. Yeah. Um, England had the chance to bury us, and they took more chances than they they give us. So, I think on the whole, um, England the the better team. Um, what do but... you think about the ball change? Because I know a lot of people will be talking about the fact that the the ball change cost us the game, which it, it, it's fair to say that it was very very significant in the result. I think that the game was lost when we dropped five catches and turned what should have been a 120 plus run lead into just 12, but there's no doubt that that that, that ball change was quite a significant factor in because Kawaja and Warner were looking like doing it easy, and then all of a sudden the ball gets changed, and you know, in in if if the ball doesn't get changed, we're we're, we're supposed to believe that a 95 overall ball was doing what Stuart Broad was doing with it on the afternoon of day five. Yeah. Here's my only thought on that: is it was changed the night before it did the damage. Yeah, 
we were still zero and we'd faced, I think, six overs with that ball the night before. Um, to me, if you were to go through our batting performance, shot selection had a lot to do with where, how we got out. I yeah, don't think it was necessarily absolutely. the ball oh, at, to, at per the se. Fir- the first but, hour was huge. But the ball did a lot. Yes, it did a lot more than a ball that, you know... Should have been 35 overs old. should have been 35 overs old. And, and look, you, you can't take that away. But you're absolutely right. It wasn't the reason why we lost the test. The reason why we lost the test was because we weren't 200 in front after the first innings. That's that's as simple as it is. I would like the ICC to have a bit of an investigation because it's quite obvious, though, to everyone that can see. Like, I don't want to go and change any results or anything. Like, it is what it is. We didn't do a good enough job. We lost. But it is a bit scary to think that two international umpires were given a ball that was very roughed up on one side quite obviously damaged on one side. So it was there were stark differences. Like, well, given that, and the answer to that was a ball that had writing on both sides. Yeah. It was basically an eight, maybe ten over old ball, which is perfect because the ball's then going to start swinging in five or six overs, which is what happened. Yeah. How did that come to pass? How did the umpires look at that and go, that is acceptable? And if it was because, as Joel Wilson said, it's the best, that was the closest we could find, which we've sat overhead shots proving that which it wasn't. wasn't. The case. No. But if that was the case, then why has the box of balls not got the appropriate sorts of coverage? So I do think that's something the ICC needs because there can be no doubt that England were <laughs> they were given an ill-gotten game. They shouldn't have been given a ball that good. No. But that being Correct. said, it's not the, the be all and end all of the game. I'm by no means saying that, you know, yeah. You know, they cheated. It doesn't count. We still needed to do better. And we had opportunities after we lost three wickets. Smith and, and Head did a fantastic job wrestling back um, uh, momentum, and then we lost four for 11. So it's it wasn't what cost us the game. But I don't think England should ever have been given that ball in the first place, and I'd like to know how that came about. Yeah, it, absolutely correct. It, it should never happen again. Um, in, in the heat of the moment, I came up with an idea that if a ball needs to be changed, say, within the first... 40 overs, the batting team gets to pick it. And that would stop these these captains that are... And we do it too. It's not just England. The ball hasn't done anything for five minutes, so we go to the umpire going, oh, can we check it? We might need a new one. But why aren't the umpires more staunch on this? Uh, Mark Taylor referenced it um, when it when it happened, um, basically saying you had to beg, steal, whatever you had to do to get the ball changed after, you know... 70 overs back, way back when. Why all of a sudden has that now changed to, oh, okay, well, we, we better change it. It's you know it's not doing anything after 30, 40 overs. But that's oh, not the point. The I point is if it doesn't go through the ring. So it's just got to not – out of shape is the minimum. And that's the thing where it's just like, well, it's now this one's in shape, go bowl. But that's not as good as the one we just had. Well, do you want the one that you just had then? Like, oh, I, I just – yeah, I just don't understand why the umpires aren't more staunch. If – if you know it's fitting through the rings, have it. Um, if it's barely not or or just sneaking through, still have it. That ball would have to, to my mind, a ball would have to be massively out of shape to be able to change it. And look, it wasn't as if they were playing on a ground that was um, like a dust bowl in India or something like that. It was fairly nice coverage of grass in the outfield. I don't understand why a ball would get out of shape that quickly either. I don't understand how, because they ruled it got out of shape because of Ikawaj's helmet. So we're saying that the helmets are much harder than the cricket bat Please. that has been blasting it for 30 overs? Come on. 
and and it's and it's not as if like with a cricket bat you've got force against force. There's no force against that cricket ball hitting the helmet. It just hits it. Like a, a bat's a bat's <laughs> falling, you know, and forcing through the ball, yeah. which would cause much more damage to a cricket ball. I, I, again, this comes back to the umpires being more staunch again. No, crack on. You know, it, it's not. It just should never ever happen. And and if it is happening more regularly now, well, then we need to look at the way we we yeah. develop balls because obviously we're doing something different. Um, in terms of the leather or whatever it is, whether it not be, you know, um, quite good enough or, or to a standard that's good enough. Um, so we may need to look at the manufacturing of those balls. Yeah. Well, I think they were talking about in the early times that the Duke had a rough year last year and they were supposedly had fixed that moving into this year that it was supposed to be a much better quality ball. Mm-hmm. All right, before we well, move on now, having a look at the where do we go from here for the Aussies. And I think overall... Like, if you're looking at it on face value, if you told Pat Cummins at the beginning of the series, mate, you're going to play on doctored wickets, you're going to lose four of the first five tosses, you're going to bat almost exclusively under cloud cover, and you're going to lose Nathan Lyon in halfway through the second test, but you're going to end up two all, he'd probably take that if you gave him that bad news first up. So yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in that sense, there's a yeah. bit of a silver lining there. Yeah, but good point. When you go and delve deeper, there are some bigger questions, mainly being our bowling attack are all in their early mid-30s and their backups are in their early mid-30s. David Warner, as we've spoken about, is, you know, he's going to get his farewell tour when we're going to pass up an opportunity to blood someone new. You know, Cam Green's look like the, the prince that was promised, but now his form seems to evaporate a little bit. So where do we go from here? Is Marsh now the guy moving forward for the next little bit, so there's some questions. But before we delve into that, the first thing that we're going to be doing is a T20 tour to South Africa. And uh, have you got any thoughts on how you'd like that to look? This is the first time that we've had a T20 game since the World Cup, so it's been about nine months. There's going to be some personnel changes. Obviously, Aaron Finch is making way. I don't think they haven't announced the captain for that yet. So full on freshen up, it would be my way of thinking. I think they need... Um, they probably need some players that are going to be playing the next five, ten years at, at their at their peak of their powers. So the World Cup is next year. So yeah, we, look, I is there anyone that you're thinking? I know Warner has held out aspirations of playing at that. Is he coming into consideration? Please, you're no, you're moving on. He's got to. He, he he has to move on from the Australian setup. Um, I look. He's his form doesn't warrant it. He's um, I think him as an overall attitude and as a um, as an influence on the dressing room. I I probably wouldn't have had him back since Cape Town for for that reason. So therefore, it would have only been form keeping him in. So therefore, he has to go. He, his career is mirroring Finchie's a little bit because he went over to the over to the IPL. Yeah. And he got a couple of runs over there, but they were none of that Warner-esque T20 innings. They were all grinded out, had to battle for four at 50s. And, and that's basically what we saw from Aaron Finch. His strike rate fell through the floor. He found it difficult to get going. And then, you know, as he sort of got older, those grinded out scores then became fewer and fewer because yep. 
Yeah, and so I'm with you. I, I know Warner's talked about it, but I'd be having a, fr- a fresh new opening pair, and that would be Smith and McDermott for nine would be who I'd be looking at to open the batting. Yeah, look, I, I'd be I'd be sort of considering Felipe as well. Um, I reckon he's the next he's the next guy. Um, I'd have him. He'd be going on the squad. He'd be in the extended squad yeah, for sure. He he to me, um, and, and for a little while now, I've I I love him. I think he's. I think he's someone that we could potentially look at for for the test team. Um, you know, it, he he may be he may be looked at as an opener um, very shortly if we if we start to lose a couple really quickly and well, he does bat and a couple of the others don't six, come on. Seven he does WA. bat six in WA, but um, he scored runs. Yeah, and yeah. He scored shield yeah. runs. He's a first class cricketer. So, a proper so he, first class cricketer. He's yeah. proper. He's proper good. Um, you know. I'd be I'd be very tempted to use him. Um, Smith at the top of the order is probably not a bad idea, but I I wouldn't be taking Smith. I I think I think Smith um, is looking like he's in the twilight of his career. I think he's talked about it, um, and I think he's given inference to it that he's not. Um, he's looking at things outside of cricket as more important to him now. Um, so to me, that sings alarm bells. Yeah. Like why? Why send him on a T Twenty tour? That you I'm, know, ju- I'm just very conscious of having a, an experienced vacuum because I'd be. I'm with you. I'm thinking there needs to be a uh, a massive shift. I wouldn't be taking guys like Stoinis. I wouldn't be taking Cummins purely just to give him a rest. I probably wouldn't take Hazelwood or I'd potentially take Stark as he's a, a genuine T Twenty like. Superstar, yeah, but, but I'd, I'd take if, I, if we had to win it, I'd be taking Hazel because Hazel's proven that he's a the last couple of years he's an excellent T20 bowler. But he's a guy that'll be like, cool, we had injury worries, we've got a World Cup coming up, let's just put you on ice. But I'd be taking guys like Nathan Ellis for sure. Well, Ellis has got to go. Um, I'd have Stark thereabouts. I'd be taking Spencer Johnson over on that tour to South Africa as well. Yep. Get him some, some miles some in there. Miles. Yeah, I'll yeah. be having a look at Matt Short because I think Matt Short could fill that Glenn Maxwell role in the sense of being a, a top-order bat that gives you some overs bowling spin. Obviously, he's not going to be Mr. 360 reverse switch no. that Maxwell was, but he's a guy that you could bat anywhere from one to five quite comfortably and potentially bowl you some overs in the power play with spin. Exactly. Which helps the the balance of the team. What do you think about Maxi? I well Max is basically what Maxi does. I'd be I'd be keen to get him to go over there just to get some international miles under his legs ahead of the World Cup. So Smith and Maxwell would be the two old heads that I'd be taking into that and I'd be looking at a very young side. Yep. For me I I think Ashton Turner is the guy. 100%. I have no problem with Ashton Turner potentially getting the C next. Well, he has to captain. I I think, and this is why I would say that this has to be a shift, and this is why you probably can't have blokes like Cummins and Smith around, because I think you need Ashton to build his his own team and build, build what he wants to do. I think you... I think for far too long we've, you know, we've tried to if we um, have these influential figures beside a captain, and I don't think it's necessarily worked. I think if if it's Ashton's team, it's got to be Ashton's team, and he's got to take these blokes 
without you know the the background noise of any senior players who might you know have different ideas or whatever i think i think he's got enough now now ashton turner he's been around that setup for a long time he knows what it takes to win games he knows what it takes on an international level to win those games i think he i would be just basically giving him a side full of really young fellas um i think this, this I think, close to a world cup i think well, yeah absolutely yep. i I think I have no issues with that whole plan if it was just after the World Cup was this game, but we've lost almost a whole year worth of planning because we haven't had any games. So it was a it's middle of next year, October. But but then you've got Smith who's going to be a couple of years older. You've got Hazelwood who's going to be a couple of years older. You've got Stark who's going to be a couple of years older. I I would I would rather have those guys so if, preferential for tests. So you wouldn't take any of those? No, no, I think I I think this is time for a shift. Um, big hard reset. Big hard reset. And what better way to do it than in 2020? Because, let's face it, I really couldn't care if we didn't win the t- 2020 World Cup. We've already got one. It's done. Exactly don't right. I, like I, I don't... I, like I, I won't be necessarily really upset... I, I get more wound up around the one-day World Cup stuff um, and, you know, wanting to win that because, you know, that's still traditionally what I see as a, a genuine World Cup. 2020, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of factors that go into it. You know, you know, one team could have a really on day. You could get pumped by Afghanistan, for example. Um, but, in, but in a 50-over game, generally the better team will win. Um, that's just how it's normally been. Yeah, the longer the game, the longer goes the for, game goes, the Cinderella the, you know, effect. The cream is... rises to the top, you know. Yeah. So, twenty twenty stuff. I think this is a real opportunity for us to go. Hey, we're going to build a nucleus around these guys, around you know four or five guys, and then chuck some young blokes in. So um, just so spitballing. So you'd go something like maybe McDermott and Philippi at the top, yep. Marsh at three. Uh, you, maybe a Cam Green coming in. Maybe Cam at four. Um, Turner at five. Turner at five. Tim David. Timmy David. Coming um, in. At, but then you've got Matty Short as well that you'd possibly fit into that. Um, and then you've got guys like... Um, so Zamp would El- obviously be Zampa, there. You've got Ellis. Would you take... If he's fit, would you take guys like uh, Tanvir Sanger, who's had a couple of really good big bashes? And you know we know how... Devastating leg spin can be. We had him there as a bench player to maybe see if you can get him a game. You'd look at him. You'd look at him. Um, I'd be really tempted to take Morris, just to just to really ramp it up and just bowl fast. You know, he, he's only going to be used in one two over spells. It's not going to gas him. Um, it'll give him a taste of that international level yep. to, to to build up because I I believe that we're going to need him in two to four years time. Um, at the test level, yeah. So, so I think just expose him, just to expose him to international cricket. A bit he didn't more. have a great big bash when he made it back. But... Yeah, look, I don't necessarily take a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, uh, I guess, notice of that sort of stuff. I think if you genuinely think that they're a good cricketer, pick them. Um, whether or not they've, you know, performed at that level, um, or in that game format, I don't think that's necessarily something that you'd worry about too much. So you'd be thinking guys like maybe, so 
Um, so Morris going, Ellis going. Yeah, and then if you um, wanted to pick experience, you've got a guy like Jai Richardson. Who yeah, I was going to say. Like, yep. like Richo is the perfect bloke who's had that exposure. He's He's been right on that. If it wasn't for injury, that guy would have played 30 tests by now. I've got no doubt. Because I, I genuinely think... Oh, the guy's a rocket ship, he's, he's, he's so, he's a, he, he is awesome. He was given Virat Kohli the business in that one-day international absolutely, series. Absolutely. And he... And this was back when Kohli was elite still. Like, this was proper middle of his prime, Virat Kohli. And yeah, I remember Richardson just giving him all sorts. But, but he's a guy that would have... He would have been awesome in England. He's that extra 5, 10K quicker. Um, he bowls closer to the stumps. As a right-handed bowler, he's able to generate um, a lot more pace off a deck that's not doing a lot either. He's a guy that I would fit in as that experience around that side um, to give to, to give it some sort of balance um, with experience and not just young blokes. So blokes like that. I, would, is there a room for a Daniel Sams? No, Sams is finished. Finished? Yeah, yeah. Even Nisa. Like, Nisa can hit a big ball. Like, he, he probably gives you that, you know, that seven or eight batting spot where you could go, mate, do your worst. And he had a great big bash. Like, he, he had an awesome big bash. You know, they, I think Nisa and Richardson, they're the blokes that you would say, hey. Aaron Hardy. Aaron Hardy, absolutely. Um, yeah, th- those, I think... You're resetting it. You've got your Mitch Mars, Jai Richardson, Nisa. Turner. Turner. Bit of old head experience. You know, maybe Maxi. You know, there you... I, I think Maxi's probably still got to be in around that as well. I think yeah. he's... I think he's Zamps, got a, of course. Like, Zamps has played enough cricket. He's got a World Cup. He's got at least a World Cup, the yeah. 2024 World Cup left in him. And he's like he's a guy that he gets it right. He'll win you a game yeah. on his own. So, so they're the five or six guys that you would balance that that young brigade with to get to bring them through, uh, and and also to oh, ex- expose Riley Meredith as well. Riley Meredith, yeah, you know, imagine imagine our fast bowling cartel that we could have, um, in South Africa especially, where the wickets are very conducive to that type of um, bowling. You know, it it might be just the perfect blend of what we need. It just go outright pace, and then you've got a bit of zamps to. To slow it down if um if things are needed, so yeah. that that's where I'd be looking anyway. That's fair enough too. I can totally get on board with the the influx of you. I just think that we've, the team's largely been the same for a while. Finch, Warner, Smith, Stoinis, you know, Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins, like they've um, yeah, it, it, it's all sort of been very much the the same. And I still think that Smith, uh, we saw when he came back to the Big Bash, has I think. I've said for a while that I think that three opening or three is the best spots for for Smith and him coming out playing for the Sixers proved that he's still got a lot to offer in the T20 game. But I also can get on board with the fact that you go to this team, all right, we've now gone to a couple of World Cups with the the core of this side being largely the same. And overall, you've fallen short. You've had one trip to the final, but... I don't even think they've made semis. I mean, maybe one semi-final they've made out of, I think they've gone to three or four World Cups now. Um, and they've, yeah, I think they've made one semi-final, made one final, missed the finals twice. And it just seems to be that the, you know, where this team ends up is usually going to be short of the semis. 
Yep. So it's now probably time that we go, all right, cool, well, the this team's all starting to get older. I mean, Stoinis isn't young. They're all in their, you know, around that sort of age. They're mid-30s, moving on. Some of them are a bit older. Maybe it is time that we just go, right, maybe we're going to be a, a rough T20 side for a while, but we're going to just drag it right back, go for a hard reset and yep. um, and give the guys that are doing a job in the in the big bash to to shine. Because one of my big criticisms of the big bash is you really think about it, we're now up to what? the 12th season of the Big Bash this oh, year? I think we're 14. Four, 14, yeah, 14, 14 season yeah. of the Big Bash. Name yeah. one player that was discovered in the Big Bash that has made a consistent go at the Australian cricket team. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. There's, there's it's been some, there have been some big names that yeah. were big names before uh, the Big Bash. Maybe Zamps. Um, Zamps, he, he sort of came out of... Um, Obscurity a little bit, um, but you're right. There, there wouldn't be many, many examples, if any. Um, the, you know, the, the the ones that we sort of think about. I, I mean, probably barring injury, Chris Lynn may have been. Yeah, he closest. Been he might have been the closest, I reckon, Linny. Um, but yeah, look, you, you're absolutely right in what you say. That, you know, we, I don't think we um, have developed enough out of the big bash um, Especially to, to go on. the IPL and what the IPL's done for Indian cricket. It is, it's rocks and diamonds difference between the two. Oh, mate, they just churn them out. They, oh, well, you know, blokes like Richard Pant, who came out of, you well, know, the IPL, you know. Who just opened for yeah. the, He just absolutely went out and smashed them. Smashed them. And yeah. he's, been, he's an IPL product. Um I will say that the BBL has actually surprisingly been a pathway for players to actually get good first-class gigs. Yes. When you look at guys like Ollie Davies and Tanvir Sanger and now Spencer Johnson's another one that burst onto the scene as T20 players, and they haven't then gone on to higher honours, but they have actually then turned that into a first-class contract with their state side and gone on to, well, Ollie Davies looked very strong. Jason Sanger, Jason Sanger is another one that's had it for New South Wales. They've been given more attention based off their T20 form moving forward. So, Well, even from a New South Wales point of view, it would be very interesting to see where they head um, because they've lost a lot of experience the last couple of years out of their out of their setup. Mm. Um, so it'd be very interesting to see you know who you know Jason Sanger who was the next big thing um, coming out of an under nineteen World Cup um, of, uh, many years ago. He's been in the wilderness a little bit. He hasn't sort of asserted himself as that next well, level cricketer. Because last, not last Big Bash, the Big Bash before, he kicked on, had a great year for the Thunder. He did, yeah. Which then turned that into a really strong second half of his Shield year. I think he got 103.50s in the last few games. Yep. And like really expecting then big things. And it sort of stalled a little bit. It was a decent year, but wasn't a great one. Yep. So, But it, he's still 24. Three twenty four, I think. Yeah. So still, still um, young enough. So, um, but yeah, you're right. I think we we don't probably do a good enough job. It's probably very good for the state setups, but it doesn't necessarily yeah. then. Um, you know, this should be to, where you're picking your T twenty sides from. Hundred percent. And yeah. and realistically, there's no one that's really gone and like burst onto the scene as a you know for the the hurricanes and then went wow Riley Meredith would be that guy if he yeah. could actually make it there's lots of guys that have got national caps but have never actually then consistently cemented, cemented a, a spot yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's right uh, um 
you know, looking at the Scorchers setup, you'd probably have to think that, you know, they have probably the best setup in terms of 2020 cricket um, nationally. So I'd be looking at, you know, the. Well, you know, they're laden with talent. Jai Richardson well, when he's healthy, Hardy. Richo Hardy, uh, Greeny. Um, Ashton Turner. Ashton Turner. You know, you know you've, got, you've got a really good solid base there to build upon just out of one state, really. That Cooper Connolly kid looks Cooper really Connolly, good. Cooper he, Connolly, he's... Wow, I, I can't wait to watch him in the Big Bash this year again. Well, not so much Big Bash, but T. Wiley is from WA as well. Yeah, he's got tr- well, he's big got wraps on him. As well, well, he's got um, you know first class credentials now, and then probably looking to go to that next level. Um, d- you know, depending on form, I suppose. But yeah, you know, I think because we're 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 a bit where we were. I reckon 2015, 2016, we're probably now at that point again where we're probably going to lose a, f- a fair chunk of our fast bowling cartel. We're probably going to lose Lyon. We're probably going to lose Smith. We're going to lose Warner. We're going to lose Kawaja. Um, in the next five years, it's... Yeah, and that concerning it, thing for me is the backups for that. This is, is you know... Marcus Harris is the backup bat at well, he had, 31, 32. Hasn't made a, a real go of it before. Yeah. Um, Bolland's at 35. Nisa at 34, I yeah. think. Uh, well, they're, they're not. They're not the gra- They're not that gravy. You know, they, they're not. So when when our our top line guys go, it's not like a you know the backups coming in to fill the void. The backups are yeah on their way out as well. So. Really hoping that um, yeah, some of this young talent. Like I'm really excited about that Spencer Johnson kid from from the Heat, who's now got a, a first class gig with South Australia. South Australia I believe yep. um, that's right. Yeah, he looks good. I'd be taking him. Well, I'd be picking him. Yeah, on on, on that tour. and even like a bloke as you like Ollie Davies. Like I'm I'm excited by him. I I, I don't think Davies has quite earned a national call up probably, just yet. Probably he not. He'd have a really good big bash and then. You know, it, it was a passable first class thing. I think another year, if he has another year like yeah. that, then yeah. you then you're looking at him going right. And, and then they raid his brother even better. Um, oh, his who, brother's a gun who who, who who um, got a little taste for the thunder um, in the last uh, in the last uh, uh, yeah big bash. So yeah, exciting. Um, but what we worry, need to learn to cultivate. We, we've got to cultivate that. We, we've got to get them to genuinely being superstars of our game. And that it worries me at the moment that there's no genuine superstars knocking down the door, left, right and centre, coming out of the woodwork. The closest um, would be Richardson, but he just can't stay healthy. Oh, I wish he would, yeah. But, you know, um, it'll be interesting. You know, Lance Morris, um, very excited. I can't. If he doesn't, if he doesn't get a run in this summer, we are absolutely taking the piss. Like 100%. You, need, you need to rotate out someone. Like rest a Hazelwood for Perth. Rest Stark. And like I mean, Stark's got some niggles now. Like I mean, it, it would. And it, like we did a little bit um, when Langer took over, where I think it was the Test series against Sri, Sri Lanka that we. The, well, Richardson we, got his go there. Where we, where we brought in a few, like, like your Curtis Patterson, who come out and got a got a got a sneaky ton and has never been seen again. But oh, what a waste that was! Yeah, like how know, he didn't make it to that 2019 England tour is a source of yeah, much, well, much anger. <laughs> I, 
but it, but again, we seem to cu- we seem to cultivate them to a point, but then we go. They don't make the good bloke oh, tests. So yeah, well, well, either that or oh, didn't look quite good, you know, in one game that we might have seen in park cricket or something, and you know we could have dropped them. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I mean, Steve Waugh took twenty odd tests to score a hundred. Like, I mean, 27, 27, 27 tests. You know, we, you know, we don't, we don't understand. That these guys are really good cricketers, and we're gonna we're gonna nurture you, we're gonna persevere, and we're gonna make sure that we we back you, um, and then make them better. We seem to be just letting them go along Instant their own path, which or, yeah, that's right, and it's it's hurting it's hurting us. I think. Cool. All right. Well. That's what it is. That's the state of play. We've, uh, we're the World Test Champions. We've retained the Ashes, but unfortunately the drought will continue for another four years. So there's some serious thing you're doing. The Australians are getting a little bit long in the tooth, so we uh, hopefully won't squander this opportunity to maybe blood some new players. That's our, our hope moving forward. So hopefully if you're a young cricketer playing for your state, you have a really big, strong start to the season. And uh, Cummins and co have... You know, see that and maybe hopefully get an opportunity in there because I'd really hate to see, you know, in two or three years' time that these guys all go out and we've just got a, you know, no experience at all coming in because it's a it's a tough gig, Test cricket. It's not mm. uh, easy for everyone, but um, yeah. So thanks for coming on again. No, thanks, thanks, Aaron. And just wanted to quickly touch on um, a bit of breaking news. Um, Adam Vogus and Tim Payne to lead the Australia A coaching side. So- yeah, coaching playing gig. New Zealand. New Zealand in a four-day match. So, um, obviously, Ray Vogus coaching coaching credentials, um, and and Tim Payne, who um, it's good to see him still involved. Well, in great to see him still involved. I I love Timmy. Love what he's about. Um, he has that, you know, really steely. You know, attitude that that probably is needed and and could well work for that Australia A side. So that's that's good news. It'd be interesting to see what that um, what that squad's going to look like and see if there's sort of any indications on some of these young guys. You'd like to think that uh, that would involve a Lance Morris and maybe a Spencer Johnson, who's been given them um, a Teague Wiley. I'd imagine it'd come into consideration. Well, as plenty well. of WA boys and maybe even a sneaky Tasmanian might get a, <laughs> get a crack. I'd say looking at that, but um, a really good, solid, positive move for Australian career. That oh, the more like we've said this a, a long while ago, the more Australia A games they they can play, the better it'll be. I think they worked out that. Um, uh, Siraj had taken something like a hundred, almost a hundred AE class wickets at, yep. at a really good rate all around the world before he even got his debut. Um, so he was used to playing international standard competition in yep. various different um, uh, conditions before he got his test debut. So he wasn't just sort of this deer in the headlights. He was he was playing the same game against slightly better, well not slightly, but you know significantly better. Yeah, players, but it was all the same thing. You just make your mark, you run in, it's what's going to be like. And, and you, there can be no doubt that, that there is a, a skill gap there because I think at the same time for that Border Gavaskar series, the two young guys that we used, Cam Green, who has played once outside of Australia's shores in like 2017 or something on a yep. tour to England, and that was about it. So 
um, yeah, the the fact that they're putting some more effort into getting more Australia A games going is is great to see. So well, hopefully that uh, Voges and Payne can uh, get their get their claws into some young blokes and um, get them head in the right direction and big national honours in the future for them. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, next episode, we will, I promise, it will happen. I won't allow it to not happen. We are going to do the Ireland all-time one-day international side, the, the the green battlers that love to slay giants in the World Cup. We're going to have a crack and see. Uh, might be an opportunity. I haven't had a quick look at the, the stats, but there might be an opportunity for a certain player to be in two all-time ODI sides. Mm. Um, no, uh, no hints as to who that might be. Um, the other thing we're going to talk about as well is Major League Cricket. That season has just wrapped up. Uh, the MI New York side, it's still the worst team name in professional sports, but congratulations to them. They took out the inaugural MLC trophy thanks to an absolutely dashing score innings from um, uh, Nicholas Piran. If you haven't watched it, get on KO. Watch the, the re- you don't even need to watch the mini, like just watch the whole thing. The whole thing is a highlight reel. It is absolutely incredible. But we'll have a chat about all the things that worked and didn't work for Major League Cricket. And uh, yeah, we'll just have to keep our eyes peeled for the upcoming T20 Tour to South Africa. There's going to be hopefully some moving and shaking in that. But until then, guys, uh, bye for now. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.